0: Hey, team. Thanks for coming by my office. It's me, your favorite co-worker. While most of us growing up would define our adolescence as an ever-evolving example of chaos, there are a few among us that seem to have a handle on it. They seem to walk a straight path before the rest of us can see that there's even a path to be walked upon. They are ones that are calculating risk, deciding right from wrong, and thriving in the creation of structure for others. Today, I'll speak with Tammy Weinrib, a financial crimes compliance expert who sits at the head of an industry that's moving faster than regulation can track, cryptocurrency. Tammy has held compliance seats at Society Generale, Winklevoss Funded Gemini, and now serves as the Chief Compliance Officer of Binance.us, where she oversees the platform's anti-money laundering programs, and engages with regulators and law enforcement agencies across the United States. So the vision I have of you is that as a small child you were really good at spotting inconsistencies and where your teachers and parents were maybe making mistakes. Is that a fair assumption? Um, I think that's I think they might say that's a fair assumption yes. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting, and we'll get into the details, obviously, the a career path that is so specific around um, spotting inconsistencies and seeing the things that maybe other people don't. And I'm curious maybe what in you or kind of your experiences growing up led you to kind of develop the personality type that was good at spotting those inconsistencies. Um, it's
1: funny because my career path um, – What got me here was a massive left turn from how I started. Um, I actually started out as a kid um, into all things theater and musical theater, and it was kind of how I grew up. I grew up in New York, um, and that was where I was headed and the only place I was headed and the only thing I kind of thought about. Um, And many years later, took this kind of massive left turn Um, and started kind of thinking about, um, first kind of lawyer and investigations and kind of all things criminal. And I think, I think my brain's always been kind of analytic. Um, I've definitely was a curious kid, probably uh, enough to get me in trouble. (laughs) And I've always kind of, I ask why a lot, um, or maybe why not? Um, and When I started to kind of shape what I kind of wanted to do, um, my mind kind of went towards wanting to um, kind of protect, which kind of went along with thinking about lawyer or law enforcement or something like that. And when I kind of came into compliance, which is now maybe 20 years ago, um, it kind of was born out of... um, The investigative side and um kind of employee investigations initially um so kind of um, embezzlement and fraud and then started growing into basically white collar crime um, white collar and financial crime and a lot of that is shaped by regulation um, and that's kind of i started learning about that and my career just kind of grew from there Um, At the time when I started, there was no cryptocurrency. It was just finance. Um, And then as I kind of grew in kind of my financial crime compliance world and knowledge, um, and eventually crypto was born, um, I kind of knew nothing. I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to it. Um, And the uh, Gemini had come about, but they hadn't launched And um they approached me and I joined them. I joined them before their they took their first customer even and kind of helped build that program. But that's where I learned everything I kind of came to know about crypto, to be honest. And it's a fascinating industry. Um and where from where it's started and to where it's where it is now and to where it's going. Um it's to to kind of meld the traditional finance world and the crypto world. it it feels very organic to those of us that are in it. Mm. And I can understand for those that are not in it. Um, it for some, it just doesn't make sense, but for those of us that are sitting in it, it's such a natural evolution.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how much growing up and living in New York has kind of, Sharpen that skill. I do find that native New Yorkers kind of have a higher uh, BS uh, <laughs> meter, <laughs> higher BS meter than people from other places. They can kind of spot something three blocks away that doesn't seem right. So I wonder how much being a New Yorker has played into like sharpening that skill in you and being able to like sniff out when things don't seem right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm probably biased because I'm a New <laughs> Yorker, so I'm going to say most definitely yes. Um, I think the natural inclination to um, not trust things right away, you know, that kind of trust but verify that a lot of people live by. Um, but I think the natural inclination to um, spot from a patterns and anomalies in those patterns and um, not quite see something that's there that's not quite right. Um, I think a lot of people who kind of sit in the world of um, financial crime investigations, um, right? That's that's naturally where we're going to go because mm. we're just naturally looking for something. It's like, you know, those pictures when you were kids. It's like, what well, it doesn't fit here? Mm. Um, so that's kind of naturally where we start. Um, and I think what I find most fascinating about this space is just we kind of started in a place where there wasn't anything and what i mean by that is right there there are kind of no rules and it's a there's not many places that you there's not many industries where you can kind of become such you can grow as fast as this industry has without a lot of things keeping you back and Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily great but now we have these phenomenal opportunities to help change that Mm. um so and i think one of the things that i really kind of enjoy about what i do and just being kind of in compliance in general um is the ability to help influence those decisions um and i think even more so adding to that is There's not, there's still not a lot of women who are there. There's a lot more than when I first came into compliance, you know, 20 years ago. Um, But there's still not a lot of us. Mm. Um, And I think I embrace the idea of being... One of them, and now maybe being someone that other people coming up, you know, in the generation or two, you know, behind me who might have been interested in finance or tech, you know, to say, okay, well, I s- I'm seeing more faces, you know, more female faces out there because I think I don't, I didn't have the conscious thought when I was getting into it that I didn't see a lot of female faces. But in retrospect, I'm like, Yeah, no, there weren't too many – there just – there weren't a lot of us. Mm. Um, And so I really am trying to embrace the fact that I have the position that I have and I can maybe help bring other, you know, younger women who might have been a little too intimidated to go into finance or tech because it is so male-heavy and you don't always feel comfortable in those rooms where there's only one or two of you.
0: Mm. I mean, there's so many ways to break that down and I have a lot of questions and we'll definitely get into, you know, what personality types fit in those kind of molds and, and why those personality types fit and obviously recent events and we can get into what's kind of happening right now in the world of crypto, and the world of regulation. I think going back to what you just said about there aren't a lot of people like me in the room and there aren't a lot of rules, right? So I think the combination of those two things, of a certain personality type uh, in a place where there aren't a lot of rules and aren't a lot of regulation can can kind of um, go in a wild direction as we've seen. Um, what is your kind of compass, again, for being in a space where there aren't a lot of rules? Kind of what, what directions do you take when you're shaping kind of where do I feel this industry should go? Where do I feel these type of roles should go? How do you shape that? Like, What's your North Star in helping to design that? Um you know many many years
1: ago I worked for for people who kind of had the, the phrase I used to hear a lot was um you know ask for permission not forgiveness right and we've all heard that in various places but in particular where I was at the time it was something that sat, that struck me and I was I was very proud that that's where we started right that was the place we were starting from um, And in particular, in an industry where there isn't a lot to guide us right now, that is beyond crucial to keep that in, in not the back, but the forefront of all of our minds. You have to start in a place where you are consistently reminding yourself, whatever decisions you're making and whatever choices you're making, it's coming from a place of if there's not something there already to guide you that you're choosing the path of permission and not the path of forgiveness, Mm -hmm. because as we've seen in recent events and, and even in the last few years um, there's not a whole lot of room for forgiveness. And to be quite frank, there shouldn't be a lot of room for forgiveness um, because we have too much history that we can look back on. And In the world of traditional finance, where we do have a lot of rules, there's compliance still plays in the gray. Mm -hmm. You know, there there are rules and regulations that are black and white, and some of them, you must do it, or something will happen. But compliance still does play in the gray. And that's okay. And what I mean by that is not you can figure out a way around it. What I mean is you can figure out other ways to interpret still by doing the right thing, but making it work for the particular entity you're working for, or the particular space you're in at the moment. And that's a really important distinction to make. And particularly in, in the world of crypto, that becomes a massively important Concept to to remember um, that you can stay within the proper boundaries, but you have you have to be nimble.
0: Mm-hmm. So, since we're 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 getting into it, we'll drill into it a little bit. In your opinion, where's the place and kind of what's the role of regulation right now in cryptocurrency, specifically around kind of these digital exchanges? Where do you see that? Um, I think
1: what I've felt from from when I was at Gemini and, and it, it really hasn't changed to, to now, um, we need regulation. We have to have it. It's important. Um, and, and recent events should solidify that, if nothing else. Um, the fact remains that certain things we're doing, we are doing our best. And when I say we, I mean the industry as a whole, the, the regulated exchanges as a whole. We are doing our best to interpret in a way that we believe are always the right things to do and the right way to do them. But without proper guidance, you're still interpreting. And then therefore mistakes can be made. Unintentional mistakes can be made. So the industry is begging for regulation. We've been asking for it for such a long time. And I think it's incredibly important that they allow us to be part of the conversation. I've said this for a really long time. And it was one of the reasons why, frankly, I kind of came back into the industry was I felt it was the right time for us to be able to take kind of our seat at the table. Um, but the regulators have to be willing to allow us to have that seat. Right. One of my biggest fears has always been that they make rash judgments or snap decisions. And then they kind of strangle us with regulation that doesn't make sense.
0: Do you think they don't consider I mean, obviously, they did let someone at the seat but at the table, but maybe the wrong person at the table, I'll I'll say that. Um, Do you think there isn't enough consideration of like, a collective consensus from a specific industry like around crypto rather than creating some sort of collaborative think tank of a working group, right to be able to aggregate Information is that an option? I th- I certainly think it's an I'm not option. not a regulator, but <laughs> <laughs> I um, certainly think it's an
1: option. I think what I think what happens sometimes, right, is and it can happen in any industry, it's certainly not specific to crypto, but right, a very polarizing figure can come out and and seemingly say and do all of the right things and they be kind of, right, everybody kind of gravitates towards that that thing or that person um, or that message. And it can, it should never be a single thing or a single message, right? There should always be, right, We. I hope we still live in a democracy, and it should still. Right, we we should still always like Sundays. <laughs> Sundays so. feels like it, <laughs> and I think we should still position ourselves that way. It, we should especially position ourselves that way, right in this space now. So. It kind of the concept of, right, the, the loudest voice in the room is not necessarily always the right voice in the room. The same thing applies here. There should never just be kind of that that single message that's happening. There need to be a lot of voices coming from a lot of different places and a lot of different angles all coming together, having their say, and then a collective message should kind of come out of that that makes the most sense because what I do firmly believe is all of the... um regulated players in this space we all ultimately want the same thing right we might be um compete because we're still competitors in the space where we're all if we're all exchanges but at our core we're we all still want the same thing right we also want a safe place for the consumer we all still want a space that makes sense for all of us um from a business perspective so i what i don't always see happening from the regulator side is when they don't necessarily understand something, they have a tendency to kind of make their decisions based on that lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. And all we're kind of asking is, why don't you let us into the conversation and help you understand it? And then once you understand it, allow us to continue the conversation with you to shape things that make sense for both sides.
0: What do you think the the pushback is in like allowing leaders in the space to be part of the conversation or additive um, or the blockers?
1: I mean, I think sometimes, and maybe I, I just, Maybe I think about it from too much of a of a naive place <laughs> to think that we can all kind of you know play in the sandbox together fairly. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of competing agendas, right? There's a lot of politics, and and, and that's that's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really want to believe is if they want to, if they if their end goal as well is safety for the consumer right, and safety for the world at large, Um, they're effectively allowing consumers to truly put their own financial stake at risk without proper knowledge. Well, if you're not going to do that and you haven't done that in the traditional finance space, right, there's, there's tons of places people can go to learn about all the different things you can do, the, all the different types of investing. And before you go get a mortgage and even, look, even before you open up, you know, basic accounts at a bank, there's all different people and places and, and internet searching you can even do if you don't want to necessarily pay for it where you can learn about the, the basics of finance. So if you're willing to put all of these things out there and regulate that space to the nth degree to to protect effectively the end user, why are you treating this space any differently? In the beginning, it was because I think they were just assuming and certainly hoping that This wasn't going Mm -hmm. to be a space, right? (laughs) They were just assuming this was just going to go away. It was on the fringe. It was used by criminals. It was – they just felt at some point they weren't going to have to worry about it because it was going to die off. Okay, well, it's been more than 10 years. It's clearly not going anywhere. So now what are you going to do? Now you have an opportunity to do it the right way yourselves, right? You have an opportunity to help us also, along with you, protect what you – talk about which is kind of that end user and the consumer and now you're making a decision so if you choose to go to let the pendulum swing very far whichever direction and put in regulation that truly doesn't make sense who are you really helping Mm. and if we're volunteering ourselves to say we will walk you through this we will help you understand what this actually is why not invite us in? You know, I was watching the news just a couple of days ago and an anchor said something that frustrated me to no end. They said, um, well, what frustrates me is even people in the industry can't explain it. Really? Who are they talking to? Who, who, exactly. <laughs> and I literally said that statement out loud. I said, well, who are you talking to? Because you're not talking to anyone at my company. Twitter references. Right? It's so absolutely beyond true. There are people who have such the ability to, at, at the most basic level, explain things so so bring those of us that can explain mm-hmm. things into the conversation and then do it the right way.
0: This reminds me a lot of kind of the data conversations that we still see happening at a regulatory level where they didn't act fast enough. And I think now technology is so far beyond their comprehension of what's actually happening. Is there a possibility or a fear that that happens in the in digital asset space within you know, crypto where the space evolves so far beyond where they're able to regulate that they're consistently, like, years behind. But it's already happened, Right. right we're, that
1: you're, We're already there. They're yeah. already there. Yeah. They are already so far behind, right? They should have been doing so much more so much earlier. But that doesn't mean it's too late. That doesn't mean, right, they either... Do nothing, which we know they won't do nothing, but it also doesn't mean they go so far to the other side where they literally strangle us with regulation that doesn't make sense, right? And that's what we're trying to avoid now. We're trying to avoid as some of these truly kind of catastrophic things happen with our peers, we're trying to avoid them going off the deep end Mm -hmm. in that direction, right? We're trying to say, look, you've let this go a really long time without kind of doing the right thing and, and, giving us the guidance that we're asking for you're watching things happen you rightfully cannot fully blame us in the industry because you really haven't been giving us the proper guidance so don't go to the other side you know Mm. stick with us but talk to us bring us into the conversation um i don't i unfortunately don't have a lot of faith right now that they will, because mm-hmm. I've really kind of yet to see them do it. Um, but I'll always kind of hold out a little mm-hmm. bit of hope.
0: Yeah. And it's fair to say that if there obviously was um, more progress on the regulatory side, what we saw happen last week likely wouldn't have happened. To I side.
1: certainly feel like there are a number of things within 2022, you know, that would, would not have happened certainly in the same way. Because if there were guardrails, if there were certain guardrails that were up, certain things just couldn't have happened, right? Even
0: reporting, right? Just basic transparency and reporting of, wait, we don't have a CFO. (laughs) That's unusual. (laughs) Maybe something to take a look at. (laughs) Um, From from a kind of good going back, just to you know being the only female voice in a room, maybe in a company, maybe in a startup. Um, Something that you have said before that I thought was really interesting is the process of refining your edges. And I took notes because I thought that was really, it was really interesting because I've never heard anyone define it in that way because it almost has like a, um, a level of responsibility to it that a lot of people don't take. I think when they assume they're the only in a specific space. I think that that was a really interesting thing that you said. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yeah, sure. Um, I so I never thought about it
1: um, until kind of recently, which was interesting for for me, just for my own self as a as a human. Um, but I grew up in a really strong female family. And I never noticed it in it while I was growing up. And I don't think I noticed it even in my like 20s or my 30s. But now that I'm a little bit older, I'm, you know, my um, my grandmother, my I actually knew my great grandmother until I was, um, I think I'm almost 18. So I knew this this woman for a very long time. Um, And most people don't get to know their their great grandparents, if at all. Um, And she was a very, um, very strong, very strong force, very loving, but very strong. Um, her daughter, my grandmother, um, I talk about a matriarch, <laughs> um, um, one of the strongest women I've probably ever come across. My my grandfather um, fought in World War II, um, so definitely a tough guy. But my grandmother was a force to be reckoned with, Um, and even into her seventies and eighties was active active in the in the in her community, active as a Democrat. I mean, writing to her senators. I mean, she was a New Yorker. Yes, uh, our all This I would say, basically, (laughs) our our entire lineage. I want (laughs) to say, Um, and sharp, and sharp as a tack, and smart, Um, and my mom. Um, I, it's funny, I used to call my house the, the Donna Reed house and not just because my mom's name is actually Donna. Um, but I had that very typical house. My, my, my dad could not boil water. Um, sorry, dad. Um, and he worked and paid the bills and my mom basically did essentially all the cooking and cleaning, but my mom also worked, um, as far back as I can remember. But then, around 40-ish, my mom decided she was going back to school and she was going to become a nurse. But my mom continued to work and do the cooking and do the cleaning and take care of her kids. I have an older brother. Um, And she did. And she went back to school and she got her BA and became an RN, graduated with honors. I have to say that or she'll kill me. (laughs) Um, And but again, like at that time, being a young child, I was – Twelve or thirty, like I didn't have the, con- I couldn't have had the conscious thought about this is an unbelievably amazing thing that this woman is doing while she's holding a job, while she's being a wife, while she's being a mother. But, but I saw all of this, so it imprinted on me clearly. Um, my mother had a sister; she also went back to school, got her master's in social work, became a social worker. So. I, All of these things were clearly kind of imprinting on me as I was growing up. And it clearly shaped how I kind of became an adult, you know, a young woman myself. And when I kind of made this left turn in my career and kind of decided to end up or ended up, I should say, where I did, I went into a very male-dominated industry without realizing it myself, without a conscious thought of how difficult or not I was about to make my own um, career path.
0: Was it just the passion for the type of work that inspired you?
1: It was because I I was actually a, a private investigator. That's kind of how this started once I made this turn.
0: Okay, I have a million um, questions I, <laughs> now. <laughs> now I uh, have a lot more questions. <laughs> I
1: actually started out as a, as a private investigator. I worked for a firm here in the city and did some very cool, very fascinating, fun work. And the firm, after a few years, was about to be sold. And my boss at the time um, knew. The head, um, the group at the time, it was uh, Citigroup Security and Investigative Services. It was an arm at, at Citigroup. And he knew, um, the, the gentleman that knew that group, and he put me in touch with him. And that's actually was my literal first job in finance, was at Citigroup. Um and they were basically looking for an investigator to start out, um, but they didn't want to kind of, they actually didn't want someone who had the traditional finance background. So they were kind of more interested in me because I didn't have any, frankly, finance background. <laughs> so when I started there, so again, went into this very male dominant, heavy industry, but had no conscious thought about it. And then throughout my kind of trajectory of my career, especially my first like 10, 12 years, kind of growing and learning. And that's when I started kind of learning about financial regulation and all that. It wasn't really until maybe after my first like 10 years or so, I started realizing when I was trying to make advancements, it was difficult and i don't know if i necessarily realized it was my gender that was making it difficult i just knew it was difficult
0: meaning so to drill into that a little bit you started to feel a friction or was it like an invisible fence or what started it was it was how
1: i was being interacted with okay. right um and look i think as women we have we have a natural we know when people are interacting with us when we feel the difference in the conversation, when the men in the room are speaking to us as opposed to when they're speaking to other men, right? I think we just have a, we just know we I don't know if we're born with it or we learn it, but Mm. right. We we kind of have that, um, and, but it took me a while to kind of realize like, all right, I'm not being responded to in the same way as, as my male counterparts. but I was always kind of tough and I was always kind of had, you know, a little bit of an of an edge to myself. And I think over time, I kind of wondered, or I shouldn't say I wondered, I was definitely told sometimes by people who cared about me, like my family, and sometimes by people who I worked with, like maybe that toughness was what was kind of doing it. And Meaning
0: it was working against you. Sure. Okay. And I,
1: and in my head, it was like, well, th- tough.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? It's like, well, yeah. you know, take it or leave yeah. it. You know, yeah. this is who I am. And now kind of fast forward, you know, many, many years later, I think what I finally started to realize when I got into my 40s was, okay, well, if you were looking to – advance if you're looking to get the respect of your peers and people around you then you do need to soften those edges and it's and it's not it's not um a dig on myself and it's not a dig on other women that all of a sudden you have to become this you know quiet demure sitting in the corner it's just simply learning how to interact in a in a better way with those around you so they stop noticing you first and start hearing the words and the intelligence behind them and the capabilities behind them first you know the the crappy part about that is men don't have to learn that because it's just it, about to say that. right it doesn't matter how they say it so we can decide to to take what i anyone can decide to take what i just said and say well no forget it because if 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 the men don't have to do that then i am you know kind of sacrificing and yes you can and i did that for many years i decided Nope, tough, because I am just as smart and I am just as capable, sometimes smarter and more capable. And if I have to adjust how I behave in order for you to see that, well, then that's your problem, not my problem. Mm -hmm. But you know what? At the end of the day, it it is my problem because I'm simply not going to get to the places I want to get to. And that acknowledgement to your statement earlier is an incredibly humbling and difficult experience for a lot of women. And I include myself in that statement. It is a very uncomfortable place to be, um, to acknowledge that to yourself, um, to say it out loud, mm-hmm. to acknowledge it to, to to anyone. For I think any woman listening right now can probably admit that to herself, that if you've ever had to even say it to yourself, that acknowledge that you might be the issue in a way and not only that but figure out how to make that adjustment it doesn't feel great it doesn't feel great for for a host of reasons but if you can get past that discomfort and say but i will be so much better off if i can figure that part out i'm i didn't change who i was Talk to any of my friends or my family. I did not change my what. I still have the edges and they still come out. I'll ask your brother. <laughs> yeah. But I I have learned and I continue to learn because it's an ever evolving process. Mm-hmm. I am far from perfect. Um, but I have learned and I continue to teach myself. There are times and places and you need to make those adjustments and because I see the end result when I make those adjustments, mm. I see the difference. And it's when you see the difference that it that encouragement of like,
0: OK, that really
1: sucked and I didn't enjoy that. But look, at, look at what it got me.
0: I want to repeat back what I think I just learned from you and you tell me if I'm hearing it right. And, and this is kind of like my interpretation of it, but you can mm? correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's two things. One is when there aren't existing role models in those roles or in those leadership positions and you only have men to look to. I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but we and we tend to start to emulate maybe the way that they navigate. And that doesn't necessarily work for us or me or you as an individual let alone like a collective group of people Um, and it starts to maybe slowly separate you from like your organic way of being in order to feel like you're moving in the right direction maybe um the other thing is i think what i heard you say and i i'll add a caveat here is that you use the word issue and I don't think you were the issue or ever an issue. (laughs) Um, I think it's more of trying to adapt to an environment where we didn't have maybe a necessarily like clear path. um, And then maybe realizing that like the way that that person navigated before me is not the same way that I will ultimately become successful, but it doesn't mean that I'm an issue. It means that my path to get there is maybe different.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a very fair way to say it, that we I've worked in environments where men have been twice as terrible. Sure, right in terms of how they their language they use.
0: (laughs) Yes, I'm sure we both do. That's Um, a second episode. (laughs) In terms of the
1: language they use and how they behave, and nobody gives it a second thought. Yeah, and meanwhile, you can make what seems like a somewhat offhand comment, and that reaction—it's like.
0: Shocking. Can't believe it. And and it's, yeah. and it's instantaneous. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yes, mm-hmm. you realize, okay, I am not going to be able to play in the same sandbox as you or in the same way because my reaction or the reaction I'm going to receive is different. So I simply have to adjust. And 100%, I, I've I never, first of all, in my life, I've never had a female boss. Mm. So that's number one. Mm um and i count on i've had one male boss that i can say i've really truly respected um who took the time to be brutally honest but respectful mm. and who i was able to all the time walk out of the room even with my frustration but always take away what i know he truly needed me to take away and and even if in that moment i couldn't do the thing or make the adjustment or i i was able to when i was able to you know take that deep breath and calm down but that's one boss of i don't know how many mm-hmm. i've had right and that's a pretty crappy ratio
0: those are tough. Uh, there's a study um, that recently came out and I'll, I'll link it um, in the content where it, uh, they surveyed men and women in, in corporate environments and they showed when a man displayed a range of emotions, hypothetically crying, being one of them, he was seen as being a really compassionate leader. And when <laughs> and when a woman showed the same range of emotion, she was seen as weak uh, in the same environments, which is tough. These are tough dynamics to to rewire, and I don't know the root of it. Right? It's is it evolutionary or human biology, or is it something that we can change within the like microcosms of our work? I don't know. Right. And how do
1: you win against that? Right. Yeah. How do you? And if and how much time, how much mental and emotional and physical time are we spending throughout our day trying to walk that line? I need to just do my damn job. <laughs> right? right. I can't, I, I don't have that. There's not enough time in the day for me to figure out before I go into every meeting and do these mental check-ins every 10 minutes while I'm in the meeting. Like, okay, wait, did I say that too loudly? Okay, wait, did I use the right word? Like I, I just need to have my meeting. I just need to say what needs to be said. I, right, it, it is exhausting, mm-hmm. right? It is for a lot of women who are at that level, It is can be mind-numbingly exhausting for us um, to kind of have that kind of constant battle within ourselves to make sure we are behaving just right instead of just walking into the office, doing your job, and then going home.
0: Mm. No, yeah, you don't only have to be an executive and a, a subject matter expert. You need to be a, a PR and publicist for yourself as well to make sure you're advocating and projecting in a way that also mirrors the message and the work and the, the presence. And, yeah. You know, it's a lot. It is lot. Uh, something that you said before um, that I thought was really interesting about not being too loud, not being too quiet, being able to kind of fit somewhere in the middle. And to your point, how much time and energy is taken up by making sure that your message is being delivered in a way that's digestible and acceptable, but not too soft, but not too loud. It's it's a I think one
1: of the things I've
0: I've grown
1: into is trying to like there's a time and a place, right? You know, you can say that about a lot of things in your life. And I think what I've gotten a little bit better at, you know, kind of in the vein of, you know, kind of softening those edges is figuring out and I'm don't always, doesn't always work out, but I think I'm getting better is kind of finding that time in that place to express if I'm frustrated um, or if I need a message to get through Um you know, read the room, Mm -hmm. you know, we've Mm -hmm. all kind of, you know, learned to be pretty good at that. Um, I feel like I'm trying to get much better at, okay, there are certain people, there are certain audiences, um, there are certain topics where, you know, okay, this is, this is not the time and the place um, Mm -hmm. to be more assertive. And then there are places where I feel like, you know, no, I need I need to assert myself more here because this person's simply not hearing me. Mm. Um, and I'm I am correct based on knowledge, based on fact, not based on emotion, and not based on opinion. And I think that's a huge distinction that a lot of us um it is a it's very difficult. And when I and here I can include men and women. It's very difficult, right? Sometimes to remember it's, if I hear an argument or any kind of statement coming out and it is backed by logic and fact, that becomes very hard for any of us to kind of push back against no matter kind of how it's coming out. It, But if you're both assertive and you're only really kind of speaking in hyperbole or opinion, um, you've really kind of damaged yourself. And I feel like I. it took me a long time to learn that, where it's like, okay, if you are, if you feel so passionate about something, if you feel so strongly about something that you know that assertive side of you is gonna come out a little bit more, then you better make sure that that argument you're about to give is really, really solidly rooted in, in logic and fact. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's gonna make the other person on the other side of that listen to you. Because you're already kind of putting a little bit of a wall up if you're getting a little too, as they like to label it, emotional. But at least if you're, talking about fact and logic, they kind of, they're at least probably going to be listening at least halfway. But if, if you're just kind of talking off emotion and you're talking off opinion, that's it. You've now been completely tuned out. Mm. And that just took me a really long time to learn. Um,
0: so having data based or data backed, uh, expressions, that is helpful rather than
1: it is, and and it, it. Some people might be hearing that and thinking, "Well, that's just obvious." But to a lot of people, a lot of women, it's it's not because we can get very. People can get right. We get very, um, you get very passionate about your opinions, right? Which is okay in in certain circumstances. If you're, you know, out at dinner with someone, or you're out having a drink, and you're talking about great, go for it. Mm speak as loudly as you want about about your opinions but when you're in the workplace there's again there's a time and a place and if you're if you're looking to make your position known if you're looking to try and bring somebody over to your side of the argument because you think it's the the right and the correct thing to do you got to come armed with a little bit more than your opinion.
0: How much of that type of advocacy and kind of standing up for yourself, being able to prove a point, do you think plays a role in success and like upward mobility within a company or in a role or just even like lateral moves? I think it's, (laughs) I think
1: it's, I think it's huge. Um, but, and I think I, I think I told you this when, when we spoke, um, the biggest blow to me, kind of you know before i I came into this role was kind of being told that my knowledge wasn't enough, um, which is kind of astounding. Um, but what I think I took away from that is, I can have the requisite knowledge. I can have the requisite skill set and the abilities to do my job. But if it's, it is always going to be measured in how it's delivered. And that is just a fact that women have to accept. We do not have to like it. And I do not like it. But I have had to, I've come to the realization that it is a fact of life. I'm going to have to accept because it is most likely never going to change. And that's, just society right that's just not women in finance that is just society as a whole um you know we heard how they were talking about before the last election about what the possibility of a woman being president and or you heard a lot of conversations around like what would that look like and how could that work and what if she how are you possibly talking about the highest office in the land? And you're still talking about how emotional she Like, are we really having this conversation? Yes, we are really having this conversation. So if, we're still having a conversation talking about. <laughs> well, then I got I got no shot.
0: <laughs> so, the most important job in the world. I mean, They're still so debating it. <laughs> it
1: is. It is. It is literally a fact of life mm. that you can be the smartest person in the room and you can be armed with all the facts, but as a woman, you are always going to have to be conscious of how it's delivered. And so then, what you're left with is, once you accept it, okay. Now you need to gain the um, life experience and the maturity to be able to adjust yourself, right? I couldn't do that in my 20s, mm. no way. Couldn't really even do it very well in my 30s and still will struggle in my 40s. I'm just a lot better at it now mm. than I was before um, because I'm, I'm realizing the outcome when I do it well, I won't say do it right because I don't feel like this is a right or a wrong scenario. But when I do it well and I see the outcome of that, it 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 helps because, okay, I can accept having to have made that adjustment because it still got me where I needed to go.
0: So it's a, a, a tested uh, model on your side that it works. It absolutely is. Yeah. It absolutely is. But again, you – I
1: believe wholeheartedly because I think I've proven it to myself that you – there's a certain level of maturity we all have to get to to get that. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has to be my age. I'm sure there are women in their 30s and there might even be women in their 20s who are truly that realized within themselves that they can do it. I just happen to not be one of
0: them. (laughs) Me neither.
1: Um, And I don't think there's a lot of them in their 20s or 30s, but that's not to say there's none.
0: Well, I wonder a lot of that seems to me that there's parallels between kind of your your personal existence and your professional existence and having that uh self-awareness and perception like well how do I come off how am I received is the way that I'm trying to communicate landing the way that I think it is and that's a life that's a life journey it's not I think just a professional thing
1: 100% and I think you know that's kind of why I say those things is like you can't you don't have enough life experience at 20 or sometimes 30 Mm. to to even truly understand some of the things that I'm saying. And that's not a a dig to any woman at that age. I say that because it is literally what I know I thought about myself. I could not possibly have had the the wherewithal within my own brain. Because if I heard me speaking when I was that age, I'd be like, I can do that. Cuz I said
0: that <laughs> and I thought that. And you know what?
1: I couldn't. I absolutely could not.
0: What do you think is the biggest difference I know for me at that age? I thought so much about myself from outside of myself. Whereas like now at this age, I see almost 100% of myself from within myself first, right? Is that is that fair to say that yeah. that's?
1: Yeah. You're always I feel like when we're younger, we're constantly thinking about how we're how we are perceived right we're very worried about how the rest of the world sees us and you know how do I look how do I sound and what does that person think and and as you get older you're like um,
0: I'm good. I think the challenge too, is when you're looking at it from the outside to inside uh, framework, the outside continuously changes. So then your perception of yourself changes depending on the environment, on the room, on the year, on who's in the, who's going of course. To, like, so it's a constant uh, evolution, which is why obviously those years can be so disorienting and are so important as part of your like, personal evolution too right
1: and when people ask like if anybody ever asks well is there an age you'd go back to um no i would not (laughs) you could not pay me enough to go back i think almost any age because the the knowledge i've gained the wisdom i've gained the maturity i've gotten to Mm -hmm. This is a really nice place. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like who I've turned into. I I'm very comfortable with who I am. And I've also gotten to a place in my career and we we t- touched on this the other day. I could not have taken this job. I could not have been here. Really, I don't think much earlier in my life. I would, I was not prepared to take on this level of responsibility. This is a massive amount of responsibility. Mm -hmm. I take this very seriously. It's very important to me. Um, and I like it and I enjoy it, but I was not prepared for it much earlier than Mm -hmm. now. Um, and that's okay. You know, there, and there might be, and we're all different. We're all going to be prepared for things at different places and times in our life, but my personal journey this is when this was going to be right for me and I'm going to be the best version of myself now and I'm going to do the best job in this place in this space now if and I had mentioned right if I had been even offered this even to interview for this even I think a couple years ago I wouldn't even have taken the interview you would have said no I would not even have taken the first interview Mm -hmm. I would in my head and out loud I would have been like yeah, no, I'm I'm not. I don't I can't do that job.
0: Even if you were excited about it,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I would have said nope, I'm I'm not prepared. I am not capable. I could not do that job.
0: That takes a lot of self-awareness.
1: I would have been terrified. Yeah. I literally would have been terrified at the prospect of that title and that label in that place even just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I this was just simply the journey that I needed to go on and I think again It's the time and wisdom you get as you get older that gets you there. So there's – one of the things I think is really important for you know one of the things I love about Chief and one of the the reasons why I, I really kind of enjoy being part of it and one of the things I want to get out of it more than anything is to to bring along the generation behind us you know and to to say like I know where you are and I know what you're going through and unfortunately I can't speed that up and I wouldn't want to because. I loved my 20s and 30s, I had a great time, (laughs) I would not exchange it, but trust that wherever you think you want to get, you Mm -hmm. will. Mm -hmm. And for whatever benefit, you know, those of us that are a little ahead of you can can provide. You know, I have a a niece, a perfect, wonderful, (laughs) gorgeous niece, she's 21 and in college. And, you know, that's like I think about, you know, when I think about her when I talk to her, you know, that's kind of like that I feel like is going to kind of be my gift in life. It's like we're far enough apart where like I can see and watch and, and remember all of that. But I can I have the ability to give the advice when she wants it or help when she wants it. But maybe more than anything, be that person that sh- to say like, you can you can get wherever you want to get and just work for it. Mm. Um, so, I think that, but I could not have been I could not have allowed myself to be here before now. Mm.
0: Timing, so, timing was everything. Um, pivoting for for like my last two questions that I'm very curious. Um, the first is going back just to crypto for a bit. Where do you see the future of of digital assets going from from where we are right now? Hmm, if I could predict that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me quietly before you tell anyone else. (laughs) Just tell me alone.
1: Um, You know, it's a really great question. I think possibly before the last couple of weeks I might have had a different answer. Um, I think I'll tell you what I hope. I am not sure if it's the what will happen. What I'm hopeful is that the, the the regulators and those that that have the power to make those kinds of decisions to affect our industry will choose to take what's happened even throughout 2022, but in particular what's happened over the last couple of weeks, that they will choose to take that as a sign to engage.
0: So the one thing that I love to do, and, and I should have warned you that I was going to ask this, is that, uh, is that um, going back to your PI work that <laughs> you did prior to to working in financial services, I love to ask if you kind of have an, a not safe for work story that you could share and you don't have to disclose names or any specifics. Huh? But I can imagine that that type of work, you probably saw a little like kind of Crazy or interesting things. Is there any kind of example or story that you could share? I do actually
1: have. Okay. I have my favorite. Okay. But I have actually my favorite story only because of it involved involved something that happened when when my mom happened to be there. And it is.
0: Your mom.
1: It is to date Ah. my best story. (laughs) um, And she hates it. And I'm sorry, mom. (laughs) But it is my best story. Um, I had been doing it, I'd been doing it at that point for a couple of years and I had had um, the very fun opportunity to do, every once in a while, I got to do some undercover work, which was a ton of fun. Um, I used to have very long hair and I look pretty young for my age very. and especially hair in a ponytail and no makeup. I looked very young. And at the time when I was doing this, I was only. I I wasn't even 30 yet. So I was I was young. So imagine if I was in like my late 20s, I but I would could easily have passed for like 19 or 20. So I had to do <laughs> this undercover assignment and it was summer and I was wearing a skirt and like a tank top and I had to be wired because there were going to be Um, kind of staged law enforcement around me, and they had to hear me. So,
0: like a microphone. Yeah.
1: Okay. But... When a skirt and a tank top, where were we putting it? And okay. I happened to be at my aunt's house, my mother's younger sister, while I was getting ready. And my mom was up um, from Florida. She was visiting. Well, Did they
0: think you were completely She was not, were, Or they were
1: supportive? I no, my aunt, who I, I'm actually very similar to my aunt. My aunt thought this was just the coolest thing, and okay. she loved it. My mother, not so much. Okay. Um, and I had to wrap the, the 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 small transmitter box and the wire. I had to wrap it around my thigh. Where was I going to put it? And my mother is sitting in the room and she's watching this. I mean, just the look. Of <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, mom. And she to this day she will she does remember this story, and she was just so not happy. <laughs>
0: She's like, where did I go wrong? <laughs> much. Where I'm a nurse, I went back to school <laughs> to help you. She was just, she was, but I think a combination
1: of like mortified, petrified, angry combination thereof. Just, and I just, or I do remember, I just, I'm like, I'm literally gonna be surrounded by cops. Like, like it's safe, mom. Like there's, it's Nothing safe. is going. To she was. Oh, <laughs> meanwhile, her younger sister, my aunt, was just like, I mean, her eyes were wide open. She was like, this is so cool. Can I come? I was like, <laughs> can, I, can I come? So, I, it was just, it is a moment that I will for never forget. will forever stick out in my mind because, and and my mom's adorable. But, yeah, she was not. She was not pleased in that moment.
0: You have to have nerves of steel to do something
1: like that. You know, I think I was—I was so young. I didn't, and I thought it was the coolest thing that it kind of didn't dawn on me to be nervous, (laughs) which sounds (laughs) very naive right now.
0: Just what I do. No (laughs) big deal. It sounds
1: so stupid right now, but yeah, I just thought it was—it was just fun and cool, and I loved it. And I was like, kind of didn't dawn on me to be nervous. But in retrospect, it's kind of good. I did that when I was younger because I think maybe if I was older, I might not have. So I'm kind of glad I I did that when I was younger.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I think about, like. Late twenties, it's like the things that I did then would absolutely send me to the hospital now. <laughs> it's like my heart couldn't handle emotionally the things that I did then. But somehow then it like didn't even rattle me. I guess you don't know enough to be scared yet, no.
1: which is kind of. I had thing. the I had that moment. I was da- down down um, not too long ago. I was actually visiting my mom, and I had flown my niece down to surprise her and so we were I don't know, we were going out to dinner or something and I walked into the room and my niece who did this tiny little thing and so she had on like a little crop top and I looked at her and I'm
0: like you're not wearing that <laughs> and then in my head I'm like who, flashback who are you i <laughs> you like wait I used to have that same shirt <laughs> Seriously? flashback I was like but in my head I was like but I was like change <laughs> no so imagine her then wrapping a battery pack to her leg and just like <laughs> and it was it <laughs> was like this. it was such this like turn of like
1: oh dear god so how funny. old are you That's you know? so
0: funny well tammy thank you so much oh it's my pleasure this thank was you such an incredible me. conversation um I hope everyone enjoyed it. It's been really eye-opening for me just to learn more about you and kind of who you are and all these different facets of your life. And you're in such an interesting space that's evolving so quickly. I for sure will ask to speak to you again because I'm sure in two weeks, something will be totally different. <laughs> if not tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> if not in the next 48 hours. So we'll definitely follow back and, and engage with you again. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for
1: having me. It was a pleasure awesome
0: and thanks everyone for listening uh as a reminder don't tell hr don't rat me out we're just here having interesting conversation thanks for listening to don't tell my boss and don't forget to follow us on don't tell my boss on all of your favorite streaming platforms and as always do not report me to hr